Hey, it's Dan here. If you want to hear this episode of the Backchat Podcast without ads and get extra content that no one else gets, head to backchatstudios.com.au where you can sign up as a patron and access all of our bloody good merch. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Yes, back chat 2.0. We're back in a big way this week, a very big way, Dan. Yeah, we, I was trying to think of more superlatives. Um, <laughs> all I could think of was huge, which is a very me word to say. Huge. We are back in a big way. Yeah, back in right. a big way. We've got a lot of things happening. We've got video back, so mm-hmm. we'll hopefully have some video content for you this week. Um, I yep. mean, it's pretty much just the audio of you and me chatting with seeing our faces. Pictures. So. Yeah, you could, you could almost um, get... Uh, go to Google Images, type Will Schofield, and go to a new tab, Google Images, Dan Const. Are you on Google Images? Yeah, I'll probably be there somewhere. And then you look at both of those while you're listening to the podcast, and it's like you're watching us. Great. Um, as usual, you can get in touch with us on socials, Instagram, backchat underscore podcast, Twitter. Got a little bit of action this week on Twitter. Yeah. yeah backchat good. underscore pod. Hmm, Big time. Reddit? What are we doing at Reddit? R slash backchat podcast. Um, always good things to look at there. And you can email us at, for our wonderful segment of You Send It, We Read It. Um, that will not be renamed ever, by the way, that no. segment. Our hello at backchatpodcast.com.au. All of that is on our website, www.backchatpodcast.com.au. <laughs> That's right. You know what else is there? Um, well, like there's lots of cool stuff. Well, there's mm. not that. I mean, all the uh-huh. episodes are there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a little social feed. Yep, yep. And Patreon. Ah, yeah, Patreon. Now, we realise that for our Patreon listeners, who we absolutely love, I couldn't love them more. Mm. I, I spoke to a well-known podcast um, presenter and he's built a bit of an empire um, a couple of weeks ago. Right. And I spoke to him about Patreon. Mm. We've got similar numbers of Patreon and his listenership is just crazy. And so what that made me think was our listeners are better than his. Yeah, of course. Uh, and maybe his or, hers, his or hers, if I, yeah, just keeping them anonymous. Yeah, but of course. I don't even know if there's – there probably isn't crossover because ours is amazing and I just wanted to say thank you to Patreon. But Very I good. know we haven't had much exclusive content the last couple of weeks. We've got a really exclusive early drop for you this week. Yeah. So I know you'll be listening to this and you'll be hearing it and you'll already know about the drop, but I did want to mention that, <laughs> right? I did want to mention it because yeah, yeah. for those of you who aren't on Patreon, I'm not like hat in hand like – Chuck a couple of coins in, please. But literally... You got a dollar for an old buccaneer. 
I don't know what that means. <laughs> Seinfeld, Charlie liked that one. Seinfeld reference from oh. the uh, puffy shirt episode. Anyways, but like that's literally what it is. Like it's a couple of coins in a hat. Yeah, you can you can sign up to Patreon for five bucks a month. And look, I know you're all drinking beers. Maybe some of them, some of you aren't old enough, but you're still drinking beers. It's one beer a month. Jump yeah. on Patreon. Jump on our website, backchatpodcast.com.au, and contribute. Because, I mean, the people that have, we've been able to do some cool shit already. Mm. We've moved studios because of you. We were able to build, buy our own uh, podcasting machine. What's that called? <laughs> Just a setup. It's, no one cares about the name of the machine. Oh, well, like, what, no, no, no. But what is it? It's not a podcast machine. What is it? It's a mixer. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, podcast machine. We got our mics. We got Charlie and Mike. Hi, Charlie. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> good. <laughs> I had someone tell me that they're a bit, very big fan of Charlie on Backchat oh, Podcast. Who is that? My wife. <laughs> oh, I thought it was going to be oh, someone named like Harley Krills or something. Just uh. <laughs> Nah, she's a big fan. So, okay. I mean, we got Charlie a microphone, which we promised for a long time. We were able to do it because of our Patreon listeners. Very exciting. Mm. I mean, your input is just... Oh, it's top notch. <laughs> World class. How did your date go last week, by the way? Oh, I can't believe you guessed that. That's an embarrassing moment for well, me. It's not really. Well, like People go on dates. We said, look, this is when we're, we're recording. You said, I can't make it. Dan said, what's her name? <laughs> and that's bad. And then I didn't respond yeah. for the rest of the night. Yeah. Uh, while we're on that, so how did it go? Oh, it was great. Oh, good. Yeah. Hello, uh, Miss Lady. <laughs> um, while we're Mrs. on... Mills. While we're on kind of, I guess, that, um, before we get into the big, big stuff, we've got a, we got a big show coming up. Um, yeah. Big Huge. interview. Big fish. Yeah, big bass. Big time. Mm. Huge. I wanted to talk about... It's that big, Will. <laughs> That you can't eat them. You know how fish get so big, there's too much mercury? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's dangerous. Yep. That's how big of a fish dangerous is. Dangerous so levels of okay. You'd throw him back because you can't eat him. Like He's the that big. Is the like, you know, health department coming down to the store and yep. being like, you can't be cooking, you can't be spitting that out anymore. Yep. It's dangerous. The ocean levels have dropped significantly because of this fish no longer being in the water. I know you all know who's coming up, but it's a, if you don't, it's big. Uh, I wanted to talk about a couple of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're recording the pod a little bit early this week. Because yes. you and I are heading down to Good Question. Mm. Um, it's a, effectively a game show here in Perth, and we're going to be yep. playing each other. Mm. We're, we're going to be a part of that show on opposing teams. Are you excited? Well, yeah, I'm excited. Because <laughs> you don't have the you don't have the emotion of excitement. Eh? <laughs> no, I'm Ever. just. Anytime I ask if you're good or excited, you're like, no. I'm level headed because I know I'm going in with mission dominance. I'm competitive. <laughs> So I'm just like, yeah, I've, I've got a job to do. I'm going to go there and do it and do it well. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be very fun. So that lyric lane, I know you, you're listening to this probably as it was last night. Unless you're on Patreon, which you heard it. Yeah. You heard it Wednesday if you're on Patreon. Well, you heard this a full day early. In I'm that putting case, the pressure on you. Come tonight to watch <laughs> yes. us. Where is it? Uh, lyric Lane in Maylands. In Maylands. Pub. Yeah. It's, it's like kicking off at like game 7.38. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come down. A few beers. It's like effectively beers with back chat, except someone else is running it. We just get to rock up. <laughs> yeah. Right? That's right. Exactly. Uh, hey, while we're talking about things. Okay. I'm going to come back. I've got one more. All right, yeah. Here you go. You're going to come back to me? Yeah. yeah. Right, while I'll, we're talking about things. Last like week. Podcast. Yeah. Last week, um, <laughs> last week we talked about a, um, an incentive to tell your friends about back chat. Yes. Okay. So we said, if you can show us that you've, you know, shared the podcast with a friend. Yes. Or got a friend to subscribe. Yes. We'll send you a gift. Yes. Which is an autographed photo of you and I. Yes. Have you had anyone send in evidence of this? Yes. Oh, you have? Yes. Okay, Will same. You, does that ruin your story? No, no, not oh. at all. I'm oh. just saying, like, I know I've, I've, I think I've seen two. Yeah, great. I've, I've got, got one. The office still stands. 
Yeah, the offer does stand. I mean, it's a big offer. It's, it's a very big offer. And you, yeah, yep. What picture is it? I know it's we you. Haven't, we haven't taken it yet. Oh, we're gonna do. You know, we've got a camera here today. We might as well take a huh. photo. Huh. We'll print off. We'll photo, you know, A4, eighty GSM. They're not going to be. You know. Oh, we're going to go down to office works and print out nice quality paper. No, eighty GSM is pretty much office standard paper. I'm sorry, I don't know what. Grams per square meter. Come on, mate. Are you laughing at me, Charlie? I just found out this week what GSM stands for. Yeah, oh, sorry, I didn't go to media school. Sorry about that. No, I used to be a printer. Um, so <laughs> that's why. But we will autograph them and send them out. So what, what else did you used to do? You told me something on the way to the podcast today. What did you used to do? What was another job you used to I do? I worked at drive through Bottolo. No, no. Brewster. No, the yellow building up the road. Oh, I used to pack CDs and DVDs at Disc Bank Duplications. <laughs> um, How long ago was that? Disc Bank. Used to, used to convert VHS to CD. DVD, yeah, yeah. DVD. Still, they still do it. An eight millimeter film, um, but bands would come to us. They'd give us their one master copy of an album. We would ju- we'd burn them. Essentially, we got these CD burners with like twenty wow. r- rows of them. Wow! Burn them, print them, send them out. Any like pri- any private use come in? You know, any, any any big hard drives come in to you know, dump what's on the hard drive? Um, we used to. There used to be. Uh, basically, I'm asking is any 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 porn? You'd yeah, people handle any porn. No, the people, um, companies did, supl- yeah, no, it was. Um, I love how scared you get. Oh, I love how scared <laughs> you get when it gets anywhere near controversial. Come like, oh. <laughs> sometimes it would come in, so you got to uh, turn the screen off. You can leave that on Patreon if you're going to edit that out. Okay? No, I'll leave it in. Um, the last one I did want to touch on was last week we spoke about um, a media forum that was getting put together. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. And, um, one of, I believe, it was was Australia's or Perth's? It was, it was the brightest minds in WA sports media, I think it was. Right, so there was yeah. some big dogs there, right? Yeah. And Dan was there too. Oh. Or was Dan the biggest sporting mind there? There was some, no. There was some, there was some big dogs around. How did it go? You were there, Charlie. Yeah, I was there. I was in the front row. What sort of insights did Dan offer? Oh, I did tune out a bit. When <laughs> <he said. laughs> yeah, every time. Look, I don't even remember what I said. I, I, I got a direct quote from someone that was there. Okay. And um, look, I don't have your full synopsis of. I did ask for a recording of it that didn't happen. No, the, no the quote that I got was the question was, "Oh, back chat two point um, Tell us about that." And you told him a little bit about that, mm. and so oh, can you summarize it like a little bit shorter? And you said, "Well, basically, we just sit around and talk shit and berate Charlie." Pointed <laughs> 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 at Charlie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's that was pro- it. Yep. Oh, that's, that's a good promo for back chat. We can. I think that's like that. that's basically all I said the entire night. Very good. Um, Look, I don't know how much more we can just have a chat about it because I'm really keen to get into this uh, this big fish. Mm. Tom Morris is going to be on the podcast. Tom Morris. It's just exciting. It's very exciting. I um, mean, because as you had, can tell by my voice, I'm he, super excited. <laughs> he had he, he stuffed up. Let's be honest. He stuffed up. In 2018, he said West Coast are not going to win the flag right mm. before the finals. And he, he looked like an idiot. He actually motivated the playing group. There you go. And we had a bit of a chat without him about it. I thought it'd be good to interview him about it. Yep. Should we do that now? Yeah. And we get a bit of like, we get a bit of a reverse media watch. Like we get to turn the mic on the journo. Mm. This is big. Let's do it. All righty. We have, I mean, this is a big moment on back chat. We've, we've been waiting for, well, all year, I suppose, to speak to this man. Um, Tommy Morris, you've joined us. Very Busy period for you right now, trade period. Thank you for your time and joining Backchat. Tom, how are you? Good. It's a pleasure to be with you both. I've got to say, you make it sound as if you've been asking me all year and I finally agreed to come on. I got a text last Thursday and I agreed. As so- I, I replied within five minutes. So as soon as I get asked, 
I always said I was going to come on and it's a it's an absolute honor to be on and I'm I've got to say from where we were initially will in our relationship I'm shocked that we're here so uh, I'm, I'm glad that we've managed to break some bread oh well that's it like I feel like we could be mates now like we mm. weren't we weren't mates in 2018 let's be honest nope. let's start no. there let's start at the start um, I think recently we have referred to Tom as our best mate yeah well, he's, a, he's a friend of the that's podcast a bit strong best mates a bit strong I, I think we have right the potential it. to be mates it, we're a bit like Bobby Hill or um, Darcy Fort, like we, we've got potential to be better, but right now the, the ceiling is high. I think that's probably the best way to describe it. This is very good. Okay. Well, like, like I said, let's start at the beginning. I'm going to read you something, Tom, and um, you, you can have first right to reply to it. Okay. No worries. Uh, this is this is an article written in 2018. Um, I'm just going to read it word for word, but that's yeah, probably the best do. way. Yeah, to don't, read. don't misquote the article yet. No, I won't. West Coast Premiership aspirations are cooked. They will not make the grand final. That's the heading. Um, of course, the Eagles will debate this assertion, but the harsh reality is their ladder position now flatters them. Right now, Adam Simpson's men are as gettable as any team in the top eight with no Nick Nananui, Andrew Gaff. They are missing two of their most pivotal players. It's too big of a burden for others to carry, not to mention Josh Kennedy's struggles with injury. Even if the Eagles lose their next two matches, which is easily a possibility they could still defeat Brisbane at the Gabba in round 23 and finished in second place behind Richmond. Alternatively, two straight losses over the next fortnight could see them drop out of the top four, depending on to- on the form of GWS, Melbourne, that's your team, Tom, and a yep. temperamental Hawthorne outfit. To finish, it's a sad state of affairs, but West Coast may as well start planning for 2019. Tom. Please respond. I'm just gonna. It's just open. I don't. No questions. Please respond. I assume the byline on that story. That's my, that's my writing, from what I understand. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. That's uh, that's authored by Tom Morris. And it's all grammatically correct. I just want to make that clear. Yeah. That is. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh no. I love. I love this attitude. You're coming at us front footing. Very so, good. So, as far as I'm concerned, from an English perspective and a pure literature perspective, it makes perfect sense. There's right. verbs, there's nouns, there's adjectives. There's actually a bit of descriptive language that when you put it into a sentence, it's easy to read, easy to understand. It is which, written in English. Yes, that's correct. Yes, you've nailed which, that one. Which makes it all the more galling for me that the actual information in that story is wrong because it's so easy to understand that it's wrong. If I'd muddied the waters, if I'd simply just said the Eagles are going to find it hard to win a flag or Gaff and Natanui out is going to make things difficult or other teams are in better form, I don't think we'd be sitting here right now. Our future friendship actually probably wouldn't exist. But as a 27-year-old, as I was in 2018 at that time, I went a bit hard and I've been paying the price ever since. And what you probably don't understand is that I forgot about this story until I got a text message after the grand final. And from then on, I would say on average, about every two or three weeks, including throughout the summer, West Coast got a lot of members. I've got a tweet or an Instagram message from a West Coast supporter, on average, probably every 20 or so days ever since. It has haunted me for the rest of my life. And I've, I've sort of learned to embrace it, but very deep down, deep in the in the back of my brain, I regret every word on that page. I mean, there, that's what I, there, is a, there is a certain regret in the tone of your voice. Is it something that you'd apologize for? Uh, well, okay. If you're going to ask me to apologize, tell me who to, no, who to apologize to. I, I'm not asking you to apologize. I'm asking if you would like to apologize for it. I, I'm not, you don't have yeah, to. Yeah, I would. I would. I would like to apologize to the readers of Fox Sports for misleading them with my uneducated, um, naive, and frankly, quite immature opinion 
at the time, and I promise it won't happen again. But I will not apologize to West Coast because I believe that article actually propelled you on to make a flag and you should thank me for it. There's so many things I want to dive into here. I mean, exactly <laughs> right. A lot of fans actually thank you for this, Tom, because yeah. it acted as a form of inspiration. Oh, clearly, it got to the players, right? Like, I had this in front of me pretty much the day after it was written. And I saved it actually, on my phone. In yeah. hard copy? Yeah, so I guess I wanted to get into that side of the story. Was And Dan, feel free to jump into this, even though yeah. you know nothing about it, really. <laughs> Anything? About footy, no. No, no, about this story. <laughs> right, so 2018. No, I have been holding a grudge for three years over something someone wrote. Yeah, I, <laughs> uh, it was four years ago. Uh, and yeah, so I had this on my phone. And as much as I wanted to win the premiership, as much as I wanted that glory, you know, which is something I... You know, worked my whole football career and pretty much my life was to win premiership glory. Shortly second was to send Tom Morris an anonymous text message of the cup alongside of this article. Okay, it was just below winning the flag. And so when the moment came and we won the flag, and yeah, that was great. Yeah, you know, I've got to say it was it was great fun winning the premiership. But but the glory was just as it was it was equal glory sending you that text message yeah. on the Monday after the GF. Oh, yeah, I, and I remember I was standing at work when I got that text message and I showed it to Jared Healy, who's the host of On the Couch. Yeah. And he went, oh, well, someone's taking the piss out of you. <laughs> and I went, absolutely. And then I didn't think about it for a while. But what made it, what, what you've got to understand as background to this is I'm a Melbourne supporter. And from the age of uh, 15 to 27, I hadn't seen Melbourne play in a final series. And finally, Melbourne made the finals. We beat uh, Geelong and Hawthorne. And who did we come up against but West Coast in Perth? And I was in Sydney at the time preparing to commentate some Marsh Cup state one-day cricket the next day. And I went to a pub to watch this game, West Coast Melbourne. And I thought to myself, it's just perfectly fitting that Melbourne beat West Coast away given what I wrote a month ago. I actually remember thinking that. I might have even said it to someone. Anyway, as you know, Will, that game was a, was a disaster from a Demons perspective. And the Ds were done in the first half an hour. And they couldn't even hear themselves or talk to themselves. And then the next week, I actually forgot about what I'd written and I supported West Coast in that grand final. I wanted West Coast to win because I don't like Collingwood and I, and I thought West Coast was a better story. And Dom Sheed kicked the goal. I stood up in the media box and it was awesome. <laughs> Little did I know that that moment there, Dom Sheed and, and all the rest of it that allowed you to win would actually come back to bite me on the bum. Um, but all you can do in this situation is, is embrace it, enjoy it, smile and say, yeah, I got it wrong. It was an opinion I got wrong and I love the fact that it's... Uh, it's going to haunt me forever. Well, I mean, there's so many twists in this tale, right, Dan? Because, yes, you're a big Melbourne supporter, Tom. And I, w I actually wouldn't call myself a West Coast supporter. I've played for West Coast. I was a Geelong supporter before I got drafted, a West Coast player. Don't really have a team at the moment. But I've had a Tom Morris moment this year. We've spoken about it on the podcast. Uh, just before the prelim, um, I was asked by a few outlets, like, what would Melbourne be thinking? And I genuinely believe that Melbourne – would have been carrying scars from that prelim in 2018. And you know what? I'm the Tom Morris of Melbourne supporters. <laughs> like daily, I cop, how are those scars going? Um, yeah, geez, we're so, we're so scared of playing uh, in a grand final in Perth. But I still think I was right. But I, I'm, I'm, I know your pain is, I guess, what I'm trying to yeah. say. Well, I think the difference between you and I, and there's a number of differences, but I think the main one is that you've played a couple hundred games of AFL and won a flag, whereas a journalist, I'm a, I, I am, I am a nerd, a Poindexter on the street with a pen in his hand, hiding behind the bushes looking to get a story. That is the that is like the default position. If you are an AFL player, you are cool, you're coordinated, you, all the girls love you, you're rich. Clearly, you own a mansion, and you are 
the alpha in any conversation. Are you, as talking, a journalist, are you talking to Dan? Yeah, as a journalist, you're the bottom of the pile. And I, so to come up from that, you've got to prove yourself. But clearly, when you get something wrong, you go below ground zero. And that's where I have been for the last three and a half years. <laughs> now, you're, uh, now you're sitting in your girlfriend's room with a painting in the background. <laughs> yeah. It's a lovely painting, isn't it? Bridget's that's done well nice. there. She bought it recently. It's beautiful. Um, look, I've got a few ways I want to go with this. But like, I will, yeah. I will, on behalf of, I guess, West Coast fans, West Coast players, accept your apology. Thank you. Thank you. I apologize. Yeah. Uh, I've got a question. Who, who yeah. did you get Tom's number from? That's a good question. I can guess. I, can guess, I reckon. Um, okay. Do you want to guess? So I think Will and I have a mutual friend and I went to school with him. I went to school with Xavier Ellis. Yeah. And, um, mm. and I was in year nine when he was in year 12. And him and Tom Hawkins would strut around that school like <laughs> big dogs. And at the time, Zav wasn't actually a big dog either physically or metaphorically. He was sort of quite a skinny um left-footed quite skillful players to take hangers he's clearly now physically quite a big dog i'm sure that he would admit that himself but i idolized xavier ellis and it always interested me i remember at the time i wonder how will schofield or i wonder how this number has texted me and that only dawned on me when i like probably about six months ago a year ago it had to be zav it had to be zav there's no one else and this was andrew gaff who i played cricket against once and caught him one-handed down the leg side with a left-hander sort of my right hand i can't i can't actually work out who else it could have been uh, that's a great segue. Let's get to cricket. Now I'll come back mm. on media and being a journalist and, and being a newsbreaker. But I mean, we're lucky enough, Tom and, and myself, we're sitting in cricketing greatness right now. Um, and it's not yourself, Tom. I know you're a big cricket yeah. fan. It's Dan Const. Yeah. Do you want to tell Tom? Yeah, perhaps he hasn't heard. I'm sure he has heard, There's but maybe he hasn't. There's tales that have gone around the nation. Um, no, I've actually got a trophy. I don't know. It could be here. I, I, I like to take it around. Um, it's a finals moment, um, a final score, sorry, that I bowled uh, five wickets for 12 runs in a final. Um, and the team mounted the ball onto like a really badly um, crafted wooden trophy. Yeah. And it's got a, you know, best performance in a final written on it, five wickets for 12 runs. And I've carried that. That was under 12s at Chewett Hill Cricket Club. Um, probably, I'm sure you already know this. <laughs> yeah, of course. I'm sure yeah, you're aware yeah. of this. I'm just telling, retelling the story. Um, but yes, I have held onto that as like a very good cricket moment for me. And I was a wicket keeper. And um, what sort of bowler were you then? A leg spinner. Um, oh wow! <laughs> yeah, you know the good thing about being a leg spinner in under 12s, no one knows how to bat, bat against it because usually it's, yeah. it's you know line and length. Um, but you throw in a few wrongins and you get five for 12 <laughs> in a final. And um, I was actually on a hat trick. Still, the, the story keeps going. I was on a hat trick because it was the last two bowls of the game. Oh. So then first um, first game back of the season um, the next year. Six months later. Yeah, six mm. months later. No ball off the pitch. My hat trick was, <laughs> hat -trick was <laughs> hat -trick ruined, but still got the trophy. You're a big cricketing man, Tom. You've got some stories like that. I'm sure you've, you've got some great stats. I'm sure you've got some um, great trophies. I'm surprised they're not in the background right now. Yep. Oh, geez, I know. I just moved them over there today. Unfortunately, I should have left them <laughs> at the back of my house. No, no. I, uh, I'm, a, I'm a batsman who, who, who was a wicketkeeper for St Kilda Cricket Club here in Melbourne. In fact, Marcus Harris, who's a WA boy, plays at St Kilda Cricket Club. And Michael Beer, who played over at WA, is a St Kilda Cricket Club. And I, um, I was always a keeper, playing in the ones and twos, you know, back and forth, got dropped a few times. Ended up playing about 40 games in the ones. And I sort of, I hated the game for a while. I think every cricketer goes through it. You, you just hate the game. So I stopped playing. I was sick of it. It was ruining my life. I was missing out on going to festivals and, and fun with my mates. Uh, I was staying sober on a Friday night when I should be getting drunk. Like there was everything that I hated about cricket all happened at once. <laughs> anyway, like uh, the next year, probably about four or five years ago, 
I was asked to captain the fours in a game. And I hadn't trained at all. I hadn't been playing. I said, yeah, I'm captain the fours on one condition. I'm going to bowl myself. And I never bowled an over for St Kilda Cricket Club before in about 150 games because I was always keeping. And I'm a left-arm orthodox bowler, but I'm not much. Anyway, I took six for nine, including a hat-trick. So, oh, so, including the hat-trick. So, it, you know, it, it's a bit like a hole-in-one. Like, you know, there's, there's, there's golfers who play off 15 that have three holes in one, and then golfers who play off two that have never had one. So I'm a, not a good bowler. It's had two hat-tricks because I got a hat-trick again two years later. I got uh, four for 17 off eight, including a hat-trick. But it is embarrassing for the batsmen that are batting that day. That's probably my, my claim to fame in cricket, which tells you a bit about... Um, Tells you a bit about where my mind's at right now. He's got better yeah, stats actually, than you, no, mate. No, You're not the best cricketer nah, in the room. It wasn't in a final. Everything's halved when it's not in a final. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, <laughs> the, the good thing about cricket and uh, saying that you know I, I've been playing indoor for a little while is that shit gets wickets. So yes. you, you can you can bowl incredibly and go you know none for fifty, but it's the loopy ones that are almost off the pitch that someone hits and and gets caught. As off. long as you get the field back, eat some humble pie, yeah. long on deep wicket, cow yeah. corner, yeah. throw it up. And just tempt them and see what they want to do. And you're likely to get one or two. Just just bowling that. Yep. So all right. Great. Cricket done. I'm not I'm I'm not very good at cricket, so I don't like it. My only cricketing story, uh, I got to open the batting. Um you say you went to Melbourne Grammar? Yeah. Oh wow. I I did know that. So my cricketing story was at Melbourne Grammar, the 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 top small oval. Like it was very it was right in front of the it might have been the year nine type area, like the the top oval. In the, right in the city there, like right in South Yarra there. Um, yeah. Tiny Oval. I yep. got to open the batting and I Who's, was- old, Who for, sorry? Geelong College. Oh, yes. Proud school. Yeah. Yeah. Pr- proud cricketing uh, college, uh, Geelong College. And I'd never opened the batting before. And so I, uh, you know, started at the non-striker end. Uh, my opening batsman, Cam Russell, flicked it off his pads down a fine leg. And- I don't know. I just wasn't much of a batsman. So I just assumed like, you know, in every cricket game ever, you get to clip down the fine leg, you take a single, right? Yeah, easy. Yeah, yeah. Well, (laughs) this oval at Melbourne Grammar, I don't know who designed it down. I don't know what sort of show you run down there. Some (laughs) bloke picks it up, was effectively (laughs) like fielding in like silly gully or something. (laughs) Picked it up, direct hit, I'm run out for a diamond duck, never (laughs) opened the batting ever again. Okay. That's my cricket story. Right. Back on media. Classic Melbourne, classic Melbourne grammar. You know, it's a middle of the city. There's no grass. There's no area. They'll spend all the money on building elaborate buildings. But really what you need is an oval that has a traditional fine leg. Correct. And Melbourne grammar does not. And I've never enjoyed cricket ever again. That was year nine. Now, I want to get back to media, right? Because we've, we've, we've run a little thing on here called Media Watch. It hasn't been very consistent, if I'm honest. But... When something like perks my interest as a player, I watch, I, I see kind of everything. I mean, the fact that I sent you these messages, probably I've been doing it for a long time. I'm not the sort of player that doesn't read the newspapers or doesn't go on social. I'm yeah. probably the opposite of that. I try to see everything. So then at least I can hate people if I want to hate people yeah. and send them anonymous text messages. So I kind of was just keen to pick your brain a little bit about the like art of journalism and media in footy right now. Because yep. like a, a lot of it, well, I'll give you my opinion. Like a lot of it yeah. right now, I think is <laughs> kind of shit. And yeah. I, I was wondering from a from a journo's point of view, like how do you see it? How do you see the current climate in in reporting and news breaking? And like, where does it sit right now? Is it is the quality good enough? Is there like a certain responsibility that media needs to have to yeah. be better? Do you think it's good? Like, what what, what do you think? 
I think we can all be better. I, I think it's important, first of all, to distinguish between different roles in the media. I think it, and lots of people do it, I'm not saying that you are now, but lots of people um, throw a blanket over all footy media or all sports media and say the media is saying this or the media is reporting that. I think um, it's important to distinguish between you know, blokes that people or girls and guys that didn't play the game that are journalists, such as myself and, um, you know, Damien Barrett or, or Sam McClure or Sam Edmund or any sort of journalist that is there to report the news and occasionally, uh, much to our own detriment as we spoke about, give an opinion. Um, <laughs> but primarily our job is to report the news or host a show and feed to the guys and girls that give an opinion, the former players. You know, I know you've spoken about Dermot Brereton before on this show, but David King, um, Wayne Carey, you Ed's name it, Daisy Fierce. Yeah, <laughs> anyone. So I think it's important to distinguish between those two roles. And I would say that I'm in no position to um, be too critical only because I've only been in the media for for five years, six years. So I don't really know how it was other than as a consumer before then. But I do think it's, it's too fast-paced. I do think it's too based on clicks. I do think it's too based on digital revenue as opposed to quality. And I do think the quantity sometimes um, overruns the quality. And I think that is a shame for traditional storytelling and journalism. I think there's a real difference now between a good story on TV to a good story online to a good story in a newspaper to a good story on radio. Um, even just before I was watching the, the TV news and the journalist was simply just regurgitating what other journalists had said throughout the day. I could have said to you today that Stephen Cornelio has been traded to Adelaide. I could have said that as a story. And if there was a news report right after that, they would have said there's reports right now that Stephen Cornelio has been uh been traded to Adelaide. And I just think that's a shame. I don't think there's enough verification. Um, I'm not trying to sit here and pretend that I'm all high and mighty, that I'm perfect. But I, I think that there needs to we need to readdress the balance between quality and quantity. And I don't know who does that. I don't know how we fix it. I don't know the solution, but it's been getting worse and worse. And I think to the detriment of the consumers, which are the fans and the people who follow the game. Jeez, that's well said. I oh, could not have nailed that nail any harder. Very good, Tommy. Very I, don't, I don't know how we fix it. Like, I, don't, I really don't know how we fix it. I've like, got some ideas. Okay. Well, I, all I know is that uh, 15 years ago, even like when I was at school, 15 years ago, if a story um, broke at 10 a.m. on a Tuesday, it was still back page news the next day on a Wednesday. Whereas if a story breaks at 10 a.m. on a Tuesday now, it's got to be an absolute whale to be back page the next day because it's old news by then. Everyone gets on their Twitter and their Instagram and their internet to, to, to see that news. And that's why there's a race to be first. Uh, and I, you know it, what it means is newspapers are more marginalised and they're more storytelling and online is about more news breaking. Again, I don't know what the solution is, but there's a real... Um, it, it's happening all over the world, but it's probably intensified in the AFL bubble even more so. Yeah, because, I mean, the Australian media market is smaller, right? So... yeah. America is 100 million people. Um, Australia, oh, sorry, there's more than 100 million people, but 100 million people watching NFL for say, you know, yeah. for example, an AFL is a smaller, like it's just a smaller sample size, but it's still the same story. So there's just less people to consume them. Um, what about what about um, like breaking news, right? Like you, you, you break some big stories. I, I see it done. Um, like we'll, we'll park the 2018, you know, that's um, <laughs> not going to win the flag. But like... <laughs> You know, I guess breaking news that you're first to report exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, a couple of questions about that. Uh, one, your sources. Um, yeah. How 
how does that come about? How protective are you of your sources? If you know, is there a lot of secret squirreling going on, or is it just you being, I guess, across the whole media landscape? That's the first part. And the second part is, do stories come across the desk that you morally, uh, I guess, park or squash or don't go through with because of either your morals, your employer's morals, or yeah, else? I think so. I'll answer the second one first. So. I reckon I haven't done the stats on this, but I reckon I probably leave three and four things that I hear. I probably don't report on. I probably report on about twenty five percent of what I hear. Because of the truth, like because they're not real, or because you you don't think it's um, reportable. Like you don't think a combination it's... of both. A combination of both. So yeah. some things. This is why I don't like it when journalists say, "I'm hearing this." Or I've been told this because if I reported everything I hear or I'm told, I'd be in jail. Like you'd be, you'd be, you'd be defaming, you'd be defaming everyone all over the place. Yes. So I think you've got to report what you know and what is morally correct. And you get, I mean, I'm sure you guys are the same. You get told things and you're like, wow, you know, that is, that's an unbelievable juicy. story. But but uh, but yeah, it's juicy, it's salacious potentially. But I I, I want to try to steer clear of it. In terms of the sources. Um, it always it, it does interest people, you know, how you get your sources. What do you do? You don't just go say to someone, "Hey, can you be a source?" They're just if, if they're do, if it's done correctly, it's done authentically over a period of time where you just you, you're speaking to someone, or you become friends with someone, or it might be someone I used to play cricket with, or footy with, or play golf with, or or, or a family friend, and they just know you and they're happy to talk to you and they trust you as well. I mean, my my dad used to say to me all the time, you know. Why can't you tell me where you get your stories from? I've just made a blanket rule. I won't tell anyone. My girlfriend doesn't know where I get a story from. Just a blanket rule across the board. Because And people say, well, why is that? And I say, well, if you tell me something, then I want you to know I'm not going to tell anyone that you told me that in the first place as well. And that's, a, I don't know if other journalists do the same, but I'm really protective of that side of the industry. And some of the, one of the more, uh, I guess, interesting tweets I get after you do a story that maybe, um, is a bit controversial, like a trade story or something like that, is people tweet you saying, well, tell us your source, prove it. But hopefully, aside from the West Coast thing we spoke about at the start, over the journey, the truth of my stories adds up and people believe them without needing to know exactly where I've got them from. It's very interesting. Dan, you got something for him? He's just spitting gold. Yeah, I know. Well, that, that's a problem. Like, we actually needed Tom on here to be like, no, I, I said the right thing. Like, I know that West Coast won 2018, <laughs> but, like, but like, who cares? I'm right. <laughs> Well, I saw a um, I saw a, one of the questions. I think came through on Instagram oh, we'll get uh, earlier yeah, today. You can start off, but yeah, good. Well, okay. Well, they said, um, you know, Tom does news. What? Why is he venturing into opinion? I'm paraphrasing here. You know. Yeah, yeah. Because there's abuse. Really there's abuse along with that. Oh, yeah, I read that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which, which is a fair question. I try to steer clear. I mean, I do steer clear of all, um, you know, footy technical opinion I'm, I'm not going to talk to you about the way a team sets up in defense i'm not going to talk to you about um you know the way that the bulldogs set up in the midfield against melbourne when they kicked five goals in a minute and a half although albeit that was unbelievable but uh, i i really only write a column or an opinion when my boss asked me to so the the, the west coast was an example of that i was saying so it's not your right fault to- yeah, yeah, it's my fault. I hold my hand up because I can always say no. But they said, why don't you write something on why West Coast are done? And I said, okay, I can do that. Flippantly said that I can do that, which is so silly looking back on it. But I, I mean, I wrote a, I wrote a, a column um, last week on uh, why Mark Corder, as the Collingwood president, who's stepping down before the AGM or at the AGM, should actually step down from the board altogether, even though he's got another year on the board, just because I'm, I'm strong on that opinion. I wrote a column on Justin Langer 
I know his WA royalty a while ago, which was sort of had some news and analysis intersected in that. So I try to steer clear of that as much as I can, but it is part of journalism occasionally to have analysis and evaluate a story in a way that is not necessarily just hard news. Why do you hate Western Australia? I love Western Australia. If I could spend every Sunday at the cot, I would, but I can't get there right now. Um, Wait, but, before, yeah. I will just backtrack a bit to yeah. um, some of the media stuff. So I would say you know, part of the problem is something like AFL trade radio, like all the trade period, because yeah. there's only so many trades that actually happen. And if you yeah. only literally focused on those things that have happened, then you're running out of content very quickly. Tom knows this. You got two you got this, two minutes and you can say this, this is what Tom is doing, right? Yeah. yeah. You got this person's going this this team, that's basically it. That's all that's happening at the moment. But you got hours to fill. You got content. Yeah, that's to fill. true. But this this is the whole I mean, philosophically, this is a really interesting chat about the role of the media. It's chicken or the egg. Like the are consumers um do they think what they think because the media hands it to them? Or uh, do the, does the media hand it to them because consumers think what they think in the first place? So in, in, in a trade sense, does the trade radio or any trade discussion, does that feed the beast that the people want or the people want it and therefore the trade radio comes second? It is a real chicken and the egg scenario and the stats will show, the pure numbers, again, I hate uh, reverting back to this, but this is where the money comes in. The numbers will show that the trade period is an absolute beast. Like we have numbers on our stories about a player who's played five games that goes bigger than any article on any game for the entire year, including the grand final. So I think there's a thirst, albeit probably an undercurrent thirst that people don't necessarily want to admit for trade news and player movement that probably stems from American sports Mm. that the media feels it has to feed. Now, I think it's gone too far. I think that this trade period has been a complete flop, but you can't say no to those numbers. You, You cannot say no when so many people are clicking and watching and listening all the time. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, it's a good point because in the end, money money is what makes every decision happen in the AFL, in in every industry. Because unless you're, I guess, a government organisation, like you're there to make money, and so yeah, trade period. I'll give you an example. Yeah. So there's, I did a story about three years ago. Um, Hugh Goddard uh, at St Kilda was being chased by Carlton. Now Hugh Goddard had played seven games for St Kilda. Really nice guy. Left foot kick. Geelong. He's actually an old Melbourneian. I know him. Uh, he's from Geelong, down from Geelong way. He went to Geelong College initially, actually, with his old, so did his older brother Sam. Anyway, um, that story that he had, uh, that he was being chased by Carlton, did more than any story did on any game during the home and away season that year. So you think if Hugh Goddard is doing those numbers, imagine what Adam Trelaw did last year, or even Jordan Dawson did this year, or Tim Kelly to West Coast a couple of years ago. It, it, it is a behemoth and no wonder trade radio is selling everything because there's so much money to be made. I mean, that's, it's crazy because it, at face value, you wouldn't think people would care that much because like you sit there like us and it's like, who gives a shit about trade radio? But in the end, maybe it's like people are that, uh, yeah, once footy finishes, there's not the week, like there's not the weekend win or lose. So your trade period is the win or lose. Like mm-hmm. you want your team to, to <laughs> like bend someone over a trade period. Like <laughs> you want them to win up because there's nothing else. Like, it's hope, he's done. It? It's like, what is that? It's hope. And the and I think it comes from fantasy sport as people as well. People love, you know, hyper, building hypothetical teams, looking ahead. You know, as soon as the home and away season finishes, 10 supporter bases really only care about next year. So all of a sudden you've got the market of 10 supporter bases. By the grand final week, you've got 16 supporter bases. Um, it is 
it, it's such a big part of our industry. And really from the bye week onwards, half my job is focused on trades and it's mind numbing, but that I'm not complaining because that is the role. That's the job. That's what people are interested in. All right. So you've probably, again, like Dan's cricketing story, you would have heard of this segment, social media. It's uh, yes. world renowned. Yeah, correct. Right. You've heard of it. Um, yep. There's a little thing we run. We put, you know, if we've got a guest on, we just want some ideas. We let the people drive it, right? It's the people yeah. segment. You know, they send something in, we ask it. So we're going to do social media with Tom Morris, Tom Morris edition. Very excited. <laughs> um, it could, you know, it, it, any, anything could happen here, Tommy. You said nothing, everything, uh, nothing's off limits. So we're just going to yeah, go for it. Yeah, nothing's off limits. Uh, for this it. is from uh, a fellow brethren, Josh Garlop. Um, says, I don't know, Josh. Just, just one. Tom, what's caught more crap? that prediction in reference to your 2018 article or your TikTok account? <laughs> oh, probably my TikTok account. Um, <laughs> Mate, it's, but both have, both have it's hard share. to watch, man. It is, it's yeah, really absolutely. something. If you, if, I mean, you'll notice that recent TikToks, there's been none of myself, just mostly me filming my girlfriend do silly dances. Smart. Smart. Oh, you guys wouldn't know about it over there in Perth because you've lived a privileged life thanks to your premier and the state and the sunshine and all that sort of stuff. But, We've had a tough time here in Victoria and what's happened uh, over the 270 days of lockdown we have, which by the way, is more than any other city in the world, oh, yeah. is we've gone a little bit crazy at certain times. And in lockdown last year and in lockdown this year, I went a bit nuts. I'm, I'm happy to hold my hand up. I went, a, I went a little bit loopy and TikTok's a happy place. Twitter can be a sad place sometimes. Savvy. Insta Instagram, you get caught in different webs, but TikTok is a happy place. And I got caught up in the TikTok world for a while, as Josh said, and I posted a few TikToks. And, um, and you know what? I had a choice. Either I delete those TikToks or I stand by them. And I think, you know what? It's not illegal to have a personality. So I stood by them and they'll be there forever. <laughs> sort of like you deleted that 2018 article. That we've had. <laughs> so. Can we talk about that? Yeah, go on. So uh, the accusation, uh, I've, I've admitted to everything today, but the accusation that I deleted the article is incorrect because what actually happens with these stories is you do uh, a, a column that becomes a blog and then whatever you say when you answer questions in the blog, my colleagues, either Max Lawton or Ben Waterworth or David Zeta or Ben Cotton, they, they do what they call... names they, being thrown out here. <laughs> yeah, they, they, yeah, I'm blaming a lot of others. They turn around the story you've written initially and they give it a new lead, which gives it more clicks um, as per what you've said in the blog, which is what happened there. So the, that, that link for that story is still there. And you'll, if you Google, you'll be able to see the Facebook post you click on that story and it actually goes to another story because they've changed the text within the actual hyperlink. So whose fault is it? Just name one person. Look, I'm going to I put my hand up. My fault, my fault. <laughs> okay, good. All right, this one's from uh, Matt Cutback <laughs> underscore. Okay. When journos get info from clubs, managers, et cetera, how much do they factor in what the source is trying to achieve by putting the info out? Ooh. And does that affect how the info gets reported or how much credence is given? Yes, that is a good question. Absolutely. And it's something you don't get taught. I mean, you don't get taught this stuff in university when you do a journalism degree. You don't get taught what how do to you speak get to taught? What do you get taught? Oh, in what, do you, what, do, what do you guys do over there? A lot what of things. Do do? Yeah. What do we get, what did I get taught at uni? Yeah, what do what we get taught at uni? I don't know. I can't remember don't now. Don't defame people, basically. Yeah, don't defame people and learn how to turn a camera on and off and understand the rule of thirds when you're taking a photo, which means the, the head's in the middle of the camera. Um, that's literally about all I did for three years. I love my uni degree, but that was about it. No, so what, understanding why the source is telling you information is super critical to uh, how you write the story or if you write the story at all. 
So having sometimes, I mean, quite often I get told things by someone and they are adamant in their own mind and verbally that they are 100% correct. So they're not lying to me in their own mind. But what you find out is they're actually wrong. And a great example, I'll give you an example this morning. Someone who I really trust messages me going, um, Essendon is chasing Lockie Whitfield. Get on this story. It's going to break in the next couple of days. That's big. I went, whoa, okay, this is huge. Essendon's got money to spend, but they want to use the draft. The Giants, sure, he's got five or six years left on a contract. He's not going to go. Sure. Anyway, I chase it up. It's blatantly incorrect. Blat- <laughs> like wrong, just wrong. Essendon would love Lockie Whitfield, but they're not chasing him. They know they can't get him. So uh, what I found out was when I did a bit more digging is that this person had been told that Essendon chased Lockie Whitfield two years ago when he re-signed and misheard. They missed and the they thought, sense. They missed and they the thought, yeah, chasing. That's right. They misheard. So they thought they were telling the truth, but in fact, they were um, they, they misheard what they, what they heard. And th- this happens all the time. So being able to verify it's important. So Will, if you had a hamstring injury and you told me you had a hamstring injury, I'd probably just report it because I'd back you. You're a trustworthy person mostly. You're a good guy. It's my hamstring but, and it's my hamstring. Yeah. But if Dan told me that his cousin's brother, uh, whose best friend had a hamstring injury, I'd probably have to follow that up because it's probably through a few too many people. And th- this is the sort of thing you don't learn. I've had to, I've had to work this out um, over the last four or five years, exactly who you can trust and how you uh, get the, get to the truth in a story. Yeah. Uh, like, again, I'll just take the 2018 um, yes. article out of it. Have you ever like re- reported something that you regret or, or yeah, wasn't true? Sure. And you're like, geez, I shouldn't have done that. Well, yeah, I you reported last year. If you don't want to point it out. No, I can tell you something. So I reported last year, staying on the Canelio and GWS train, that um, the Giants were close to dropping Canelio early on the season. He was struggling early 2020. And in, in fact, the documentary that came out will prove that they were talking about that. But um, I got a call from his manager. I got a call from the club. And they said, look, Tom, you're absolutely incorrect. Like, you're blatantly wrong here. You're just well off the mark. And I went, ah. So I did, a, I did a tweet and I said, hold my hand up, got it wrong. Canelio is an important member of this team. Well, we all know what happened later in the year. I ended up, I ended up getting this story that Canelio did get dropped. And as it turned out, they were talking about dropping him early in the year. They were just lying to me when they called me and said they weren't talking about it. So really? I, my mistake was not reporting it. My, resta- my mistake was sending out a tweet saying that I got it wrong in the first place. I should have just backed my source that they had it absolutely bang on. That's a so, minefield. That's a minefield, though, because then you're second guessing yourself. Because you can't second can't second guess yourself. It, uh, I don't want to use um too many other examples of what other journalists do, but th- there's a saying like, "How close to the cliff are you?" You know, like if you report if you're a reporter and you're constantly on the edge of the cliff, you're probably getting I don't know two in five wrong because you're you're always you know reaching for the truth. You can't quite get it. But if you're too far back from the cliff. You're probably not get, not ever getting a story. You know, you're probably only getting a story if you hear it right from the horse's mouth. So you've got to find that balance about um, how you weigh up the truth and then how you write it is really important. How you actually phrase a story is really important as well. And then on that as well, you'd have you'd have in the back of your mind, I don't want to completely burn a bridge with GWS and his manager. Yeah, a like, little bit. If I go hard on this, like, are they ever going to give me anything again? A little bit, but like, you know. The, for, the dogs weren't happy that I did a story in grand final week um, about Ryan Gardner being dropped. Now, in round 14, Ryan Gardner being dropped is not a story. I might tweet it. But in the grand final week, a selection story, 24 hours before the dogs release it, 
that's 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 quite a big story. I think that's quite a big story. It's a footy story. It's a selection story. Yeah. And the dogs didn't like the fact that I did that. I did that. And a few people said to me, you know, why would you why would you burn your relationship with the dogs to do a simple selection story? My answer is well. My job is my my loyalty is to my employer, and if the dogs don't like me doing a selection story, any club doesn't like me doing a footy story, well, they'll be fine. The, you know, the world is going to keep on spinning. I mean, with that one specifically, surely they were just annoyed that you knew, rather than I if think it's so. True. Like I they, think they so. can't have been too happy that Tom Morris knew about their selection because it means someone leaked it from the club. Well, yeah, they've got this. You know, as all clubs do, they've got this big, you know, cultural thing. You know, us against them. We're tight. We're 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 in a confined space in this hub. It's grand final week. And all of a sudden, something they told Ryan Gardner at 3 p.m. gets out at 7 p.m. How does this work in grand final week? So that's what they're frustrated about. Yep. Um, all right. I'm going to get a couple more through um, Scotial. Um, <laughs> Great name, by the way, Scotial. Oh, it certainly is. Like, Who came it, up with that? Was that you, Dan? Yep. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't me. I know that. Well, it definitely wasn't me. All right. So Jared L. Brown asks, um, and I'm interested to hear as well, because it's been a big year for you, Tommy. How does he manage his bias as an obvious diehard Melbourne supporter? Now, I don't agree with that, but you are a Melbourne yeah. supporter. First flag in a long time. Um, yeah. Talk to us about this year. Okay. Well, it's an easy one for me to handle because, as I said, between the ages of 15 and 27, Melbourne didn't play in any finals. And I got so used to not caring about how Melbourne went that I became quite you know, apathetic or neutral to the demons. Yes. And beyond that, you might not know, I actually worked at St Kilda Footy Club for three years. It was my first job out of university. Mm. So I actually had a really soft spot for the Saints there. And for a while, I was always a Melbourne supporter, but I was sort of, I su- sort of supported two clubs for, for some time, especially when I was at the Saints. You get to know the people and you want them to do well. So um, up, I mean, I, did, I didn't work on grand final night. I said, I'm done at six o'clock. And they said, you can go and you can, and you can go watch it at home. Right. And that was that was a clear message for me that I was going to be, you know, one-eyed from then. But up until up until then, I, it honest, I say this hand on heart. It in any home and away game, while I've been a journalist, it hasn't ruined my weekend if Melbourne's lost, and it hasn't made my weekend if Melbourne's won. I actually am not that emotionally invested because of that experience of Melbourne being so bad for so long while you're growing up and also working at the Saints. Yeah, that's good. Um, you got one. Um. I'm just uh, uh, a lot of them actually been covered. There was a really good one about um, about opinion based, like about your 2018 article and saying yeah. that it was like an opinion, and you haven't done much of that uh, sort of since then. Like the the person who wrote it said they can't recall much of it coming from you, but you kind of explained like that that was kind of your reasoning, and you probably feel like you probably shouldn't be doing that in the first place. So. Yeah, I shouldn't be doing too much in the first place, yeah. and when I do, it's it's really uh, specific and so, and hopefully I can just add some news around it. You know, like. The Trelaw stuff last year was the news, you know, that Collingwood wanted him out. But there was a lot more um, analysis around why that was going on. That was it wasn't hard opinion, you know. It, it sort of morphs. It, you can have an analysis with some news elements in it, and that's what I like writing. What about this one from Troy Attackinen? <laughs> this is I don't know if he's a mate of yours, but it made me laugh. <laughs> I don't know Troy. No. Does Tom still use the assisted bands when doing chin-ups at body fit? <laughs> <laughs> Dan, you might be actually be quite familiar with the um. Assisted chin ups. No, I do them all, all um, just natch. All natch. Oh, yeah, perfect. You as well, Tommy. Uh, yeah, I use. Well, we don't. We, body fit is a. Is body fit even in Perth? I don't know. It's all no, like I've never 45. heard of it. I don't know. But is it like you, a forty-five you, or something? It is. But you might um, remember some AFL players, Matt Thomas, who played for Port and Richmond, um, Dan Stewart, who played for Port. They sort of own some body fits all around Melbourne and around the country. And I normally go there when we're not in lockdown. And uh, yeah, I use some bands. But I can do. 
I got up to 10 or 12 chin-ups, not that anyone cares, and I started using some bands. I don't know who that fella is, but um, I appreciate <laughs> the you, message. You can whack him. I, like, him I have a small fitness-related story that happened to me three days ago. Yeah. So I broke my back um, playing in the waffle this year, and I was, it kind of scared me, right? I stopped, I stopped playing immediately, and I just kind of thought, what am I even – why am I still playing? I got a chance to break your back. It's probably enough. So I haven't exercised since then because I've – like been around medical rooms long enough you break your back you probably should give it a bit of time to heal so i haven't done anything and i woke up on monday and i thought right today's the day it's monday it's a new week it's time to start exercising go for a run anyway couldn't get my mindset around going for a run so that didn't happen so i thought all right i'm gonna go and have a shower <laughs> instead what? instead i got in just before i go in the shower i was like oh you gotta exercise before you shower you have a shower you're gonna get dressed you're gonna go to work yeah, yeah you're done as soon as you shower yeah correct so I thought, all right, I'll do some push-ups in the spare bedroom. Right? I'll just do some push-ups and then I'll be happy. I'll like exercise. Like, as a player, I'm sure I could do like, I don't know, 100 push-ups maybe. 50, 50 push-ups, right? Yeah, 50. Right. Let's call it 50. Yeah. I got to do push-ups on Monday morning. This is two days ago. One day ago. <laughs> and I did five and I had to stop. Stopped at five. Just stopped. I just got on my knees and I was just like this. Is, I can't even do this. And I was like, all right. Do, let's do some sets of five. I'll do, I'll do, I'll do five sets of five, 25. I got three push-ups into my next set. So I did five, had a two-minute rest. <laughs> I did three <laughs> and then collapsed. And then I went and got in the shower. And that yeah, was it. I did eight, eight, eight push-ups and two sets of five and three. In six and a half minutes. Absolutely. So what, so what sort of former player are you? Are you a former player, I say former AFL player, that's going to let himself go physically or you just can't because your back's been injured? <laughs> Or mentally, um, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to probably, yeah. I mean, training, training. Actually, we asked the questions here, Tom. But good question. Um, <laughs> training for me was never uh, something I loved about footy. Like I didn't get go to the club to train. Like I trained to play games. Like I'm a yeah. competitive person. The gy- I hate the gym. Hate weights. Um, clearly, hate <laughs> push ups now. Uh, and running at like extended periods. Like I was an, an athlete, I, was, I did athletics before footy and I could never do over 800 meters because it meant that for training, you have to, you had to run more than your race. So like I could never get out more than two or three minutes at a time running. Like I just wasn't that sort of guy. So right now I'm struggling with like, what am I going to do athletically? Like I need to exercise. I think I need to come and start playing some indoor cricket with you, Dan. Well, the team's been dismantled because all the uh, boys' partners are having babies. So we could, <laughs> yeah. we could play some table tennis or something. Indoor cricket's a hard sport. It is. Oh, oh you, cop a, you cop a few bruises as well. Yeah. Um, this isn't a, an Instagram question, but I thought maybe seeing as you're here, maybe um, is there some little nugget you could give us, um, some little trade nugget that you've been waiting to, that here you've been sitting go. on that you can- You've got, uh, you got to give me some warning for these little, things. Little well, hang on, hang on. This is, no, no. You you have these nuggets sitting around. Don't, no, no warning. Yeah, you, you, just don't, you just don't know which one to exclusive. give us. It's yeah, not like you don't have it. Yeah, you don't know. I don't know which one to give you. I think. I, I think that it, I know okay. it's hundred percent. He will have. He will have at least five sitting there right now that he's like. I don't know which one. Yeah. So give okay. Okay. So you know, there's this documentary that's being made. Um, hang on. About, hang on. Before you start, just we're gonna this on camera. Uh, you heard it here first. Back chat podcast exclusive from Tom Morris. G'day, Tom. Nice to see you. But I need to give you something fresh, and that's what I'm giving you. Yeah, that's Good. great. Yeah, like and it. it's and it's also like. It's not even that big. It's not that. It's huge. It's absolutely huge for back to listeners, but it's not like, you know, groundbreaking here. But he's not no. going to lose his job. Uh, no, correct. Um, Before we let you go, Tom, is last day of trade period Wednesday is, yep. you don't know, no names, but is there any big deals 
floating around that could could go over the line tomorrow? Well, I, it's yeah. Yeah, I can name names. It's fine. It's the Hawthorne. It's the big four at Hawthorne. It's one of Jago Amira, Tom Mitchell, Jack Gunston, Chad Wingard. Now you can probably rule out Wingard because he said he's not going anywhere. Uh, and in fact, he said that on Instagram, didn't he, with his um. Leonardo the Wolf of Wall Street uh, reference, Love it. Um, which was unusual, but that's fine. We like players having personalities. Jack Gunston, I think. I think if Jack, if, if the Brisbane Lions came to Jack Gunston and offered him a deal, and it suited Hawthorne and suited Brisbane, I think Gunston would like to get to Brisbane with Fagan. Hodge has been there. Birchall has been there, but I don't. I can't see they're going to get a deal done because they don't have any draft picks and, and don't have any money. Jogo Mira connections to Fremantle. Uh, Port Adelaide need a midfielder. And then uh, who was the other one I said? Oh, Tom Mitchell. Tom Mitchell. Tom Mitchell gets 40 touches a game. Um, and I know that Richmond are looking for that sort of player, but no one is bold enough to actually take a punt and give up a top 15 pick for any of these players. But at the moment, I would wait, though, on those four. I don't know if, I don't know if it's going to happen, but Hawthorne's the watch this space for me. Very good. Um, Tom, Honestly, mate, it's actually been a real pleasure having you on. Mm. Um, appreciate your attitude. What pisses me off when people stuff up is people want to dodge. And it sounds like we've come from the same planet where we like to just take responsibility for when we fuck up. And you fucked up in 20 That's okay. <laughs> it's all right. It's fine. People fuck well, I've up. Got lots, I've got lots of friends who went to Geelong College. I, I've, I got to know Ace Cordy recently. I went to a Bucks with Ace Cordy. I had a good, good few beers with him. And I'm a big fan of Geelong College people. And Dan, I know I've just met you, but you seem like a ripper as well. So it's a mm. pleasure to be on the podcast. All right, let's yeah. just cool this, cool this love fest down. But thank you very much, Tommy. We really appreciate it, mate. And good luck tomorrow. And enjoy your time off after trade period. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. You send it. We read it. Right. The probably become, quickly becoming the world's most sought-after segment in podcasting Behind. Land. Behind. Behind um, Dan's challenge. <laughs> um, so should we just get straight into it? I think so, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, this is from no one in particular. This is this is anonymous. It was submitted by our website, uh, backchatpodcast.com.au, and you can do that. So you send it. Excellent. We read it. Yeah, it doesn't matter how you send it, but we will read it. Mm. Story time. Oh. A few days ago, I mowed, edged, and hedged my neighbour's front yard, a 55-year-old lady home, uh, very a very overgrown looked terrible in brackets while she was away at the hospital. Well, that's very nice. When she nice. came back, she wasn't pleased at all. <laughs> she claimed I'd killed <laughs> all the fairies and gnomes that lived there and wanted to have me charged with murder. Okay. I've wow. now been I've now been asked by p- local police not to do it again, so as to keep the peace. And the cops are cool about it. As someone who studied law, will if I had been charged with trespassing, vandalism, or murder. What would have my chances been in court getting off all charges and and Dan, you be the prosecutor? Oh, so you're the you're the cop side. Yep. Um Yeah, right. Um I don't know where to take this. So she was obviously in hospital for mental reasons, if she's coming back and talking about well, fairies, we don't know that, fairies getting okay, cool. Um look, I think it's a nice thing to have done. It's a neighbourly thing to have done. You can't get charged for murder. You haven't killed anyone. It's a gnome and a and a fairy. Mm-hmm. Would that be correct, prosecutor? Or are you gonna come at me about that? I concur. <laughs> You're the prosecutor. You're meant to be like, no, murder. No, I'm a good prosecutor. I, I know what's good. Okay. Um, trespassing. I mean, look, it depends where you cut the hedges from. If you mm. were on the footpath leaning over. <laughs> With like no. a long extension pole. Yeah, I believe. Like it, it could have been a, a hedge on the fence. I think you'd be okay. I mean, you're not in a yard. But if you're in a yard without a permission, yes, it was a nice thing you were doing. But you trespass. What if she'd been 
waiting years for to get to that growth and you'd killed it. Yeah, exactly right. But that's not that's nothing to do with trespassing. That's vandalism. vandalism. That's mm. vandalism. I'm gonna I'm gonna if you if you're gonna have to push the trigger on one of those murder, trespassing, vandalism. I'm gonna go vandalism quite hard. It, does vandalism count? Like if is it like the eye of the beholder stuff? Like someone has a real trashy trashy brick wall that's got graffiti all over it and looks like shit to most people. Someone paints it over white and it looks beautiful. Mm. But the person liked the graffiti. Is that vandalism? Making it look nicer? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You're the you're, you're the, the prosecutor. Well, you're meant to say yes. Okay, sorry, mate. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. I've never been in court. Okay. Well, I'm glad we read that out and played that out so willingly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jordan Oldfield. Okay. From, and you know what Jordan Oldfield is? He's a patron. There you go. Well hey, done, Jordan. Jordan. You're a good you man, much. Jordan. We love you. Hi guys, with Dan being an ex-Wildcats insider who didn't get a ring, thank you for reminding me. What are your thoughts on the new owners of the team? Will it make a difference? Sorry, let me jump in. That wasn't Jordan Oldfield. That was another website. Oh, another, sorry, Jordan. Jordan Oldfield is the one next. Okay. You're coming up next, Jordan. Thank Take, you, Charlie. Wait your turn. You've got a ticket. Uh, the Wildcats games are great entertainment and would hate for it to change if the new owners are chasing extra profits. Um, I would say probably game day is where they make money, ticket right. sales. So they're going to make sure the game day is as good as possible right? because that's what makes the money. right? Um, so the new owners of the team, Sports Entertainment Network, SCN? I don't believe it's going to make a difference at all. Mm. I think someone's come in, bought a business that's operating very well, you'd be dumb to change it too much. Um, look, it annoys me when this happens, but I was sent something by a Perth Wildcat fan Um. Mm who said that your story about cutting the um, net down brought back great memories. And she, I believe, sent me video. Some photos. No, yeah, photos. Yes. Yeah, I did, I did look at that email. They okay. went – so they were um, – uh, they lived in Melbourne. Yes. And supporter of the Wildcats. Yes. And went along to the grand final. And I do – looking at those photos um, – There was none of you, by the way. No, no, no. Looking at the photos did bring back that day. Like it was very um, reminiscent – um, yeah, look, there's uh, there's Charlie's got a photo up of Damian Martin cutting down the net. Uh, I was Bryce looking Cotton. for you like down the bottom somewhere, like holding the ladder. At no, no, no. I, I was probably with the with the boys hanging out. So who were the boys? The boys are cutting the net down. Nah, one at a time, though. The rest of you know. No, I was probably um, doing uh, your job. Doing my job. Yep, that's right. Um, when we get our new studio, because that will be happening mm. um, with our support from our Patreon listeners. I'd like you to, uh, forming part of the new studio and the set, I'd like to have that piece of net, a part a, of that. I'll, yep, I'd bit like of nylon. To, yeah, yeah, I'd like course. to have that as a bit of an icon of our studio if possible. Yep, got it. Uh, this is Jordan Oldfield. You know what? We mentioned him twice, don't care. I mean, he's a legend, he's a patron, so he deserved it. My question for Scoey is, was there ever a time when you drafted yourself on Supercoach and mid-season had to put yourself on the chopping block due to lack of playing time or form slumps. You want me to answer that before you get my question for Dan? And yes. I'll read you your question. Okay. Uh, look, I'm sorry, Geordie, but like I just was never good at fantasy footy as a footballer, as a mm. role player. Um, I had one year where I was good in super coach. Might have averaged almost close to 80. That's huge. I, no, it's not that huge. No. For, a, for a defender. Yeah, yeah, okay. I'm a pretty big deal. Uh, no, I, yeah, I, I never got myself in. I definitely, I definitely, like, insider trading exists in terms of, like, I would know when players are getting dropped or injured and no one else would know. Yeah, right. And, like, yeah, it doesn't have a huge impact, but there's still money on the line with some of this stuff now and there's prizes to be won. As Harry Edwards did this year, he came in the top 10, they wouldn't give him his prize mm -hmm. because there's insider trading. 
There's so also just betting on the game. The other, well, that's right. Yeah, if a key defender's out, then no, you that's can, right. You but bet like, on the forward for kicking multiple goals. No, you're not allowed to bet. That's fully illegal. You get suspended for like two, three years. Like you can't. Oh yes, I know. I'm saying that right. you know you could give information out that would yeah, also yeah, illegal. Yeah. But yeah. like. The fantasy stuff I'm talking about is not illegal. Right, okay. Yeah, the things you're talking about like would get me banned from the game <laughs> and I've never done that. Okay. But the fantasy stuff, because it's my team, mm. the other thing would be when you had rookies having a good preseason, like no one got to see training at all. And like yeah, good. the hardest part about fantasy is starting with a good team. Yes, you can alter it, but you need to start with a good squad. So I reckon almost every year I've played fantasy, I've had the best West Coast rookie on my bench because yeah. I, I know if he's going to play games, if he's had a good preseason. And sometimes that's... Been beneficial. And, and AFL fantasy relies heavily on buying low. Yeah. Buy low, sell high. Mm. Or don't sell high if he's really good. Just, just keep him. Keep him. Yeah. Build the bank. All right. Question for Dan. This is from Jordan Oldfield also. Who is your favorite forgotten slash irrelevant eagle of all time? <laughs> That's great. This is going to be good. I tend to gravitate towards Josh Wooden, as I'm pretty sure he was actually Shannon Hearn's <laughs> biological father. Very good. Honorable mention, Tom Swift. Have you got anyone there? Um, I'm going to go Adam Cocky. So Adam Cocky, you are an irrelevant eagle, as told by <laughs> no. Dan Cox. I'd say forgotten. I'd okay. say forgotten. Not irrelevant. Adam every Cock- every player is relevant for a purpose. That's quite good. Adam Cocky's good. I actually thought you weren't going to be able to answer that question. Is that a good answer? Yeah, it's quite Do good. Do you know who I also, and I'm going leaning way more on the forgotten side, is Philip Reid. I think... Absolute like Eagles diehards know Philip Reid. I think, yeah. But general like AFL punters, like that name wouldn't really trigger too much. But I just remember him being very good. He's now a uh, big wave surfer. Yeah, we need to talk to him actually about that. No, No, we don't? Okay. No. I've got a Phil Reid story actually. Yeah. Have I told this? Maybe. I don't know. I can't remember if I've told it. You want to hear it? What is it about? I'll tell you. Oh, it's like, it's not offensive. It's pretty funny. Yeah, go on. Uh, Chad Fletcher held a Christmas party or a no Australia Day party. Yeah, I haven't heard this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chad Fletcher Australia Day party, first or second year on the list. Um, all the footy boys are invited, but I had some friends over from Victoria, and he's like, "Yeah, bring him around." Chad, Chad Fletcher, great bloke. Mm. Bring him around too. So we went down there quite early. It was around. It was it was probably about two k's from our house. It was like on one like the north side of Scarborough, and we lived on like the south side of Scarborough. Sure. So I think we got a taxi there. Got very drunk. Like yeah. early as well. A couple of mates had to go um, home early. Uh, just thinking of this part of the story. They went home. They'd never been to Perth before. Thought it was a good idea to try and drive my car into the nightclub, into Northbridge. A horrible idea. Very drunk. Very illegal. Great idea, right? They crashed that car into the fence that was directly opposite where my car was parked. So my car was parked in an open-ended driveway. Yep. The driveway ran across. They failed to turn left and drove it two metres into the fence straight across and then tried to hide it from me. They busted the whole front of the car and then tried to pretend that it was like that when I got home. Anyway, that wasn't actually Gosh, part of the story. Okay. Yep. Anyway, I digress. Back in the party. Mm. Great party. Finishes up. I'm absolutely belted. Can't, can't get a taxi. Can't drive home. Not going to do that. Yep. Let's go looking for somehow, somewhere to get home. It's too far to walk. Two Ks. We find a bike, like a bicycle. Find a bicycle mm-hmm. in uh, in the laundry. Great, let's ride a bike. It was me, Matt Spanger. We used to live together in Scarborough. 
we rode this bike tandem. So two blokes on the bike the whole way home, like two Ks up and down hills of Scarborough. Like dinky or? Dinky, shoulders. However. Like it just had to get there. The yeah. tyres were flat though. So it was quite, <laughs> a, it's quite an effort. Yeah. And we crashed it somewhere between 50 and 100 times on the way home. Yep. Crashing it into bins, into gutters, into got home, threw it on the lawn, got, went to bed. Woke up in the morning to this crumbled mess of this metal out the front that was previously a bike. Mm. Wheels crushed, like snapped spokes, the, the middle crossbars <laughs> bent. What are you doing to it? I was just like trying to ride with flat wheels with like 200 like, kilos on it. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> yep. Anyway, forgot about it. Get a message from an unknown number. A little bit like Schofield to Tom Morris. Yeah. <laughs> Where the fuck's my bike, mate? Wow. <laughs> it was Phil Reed's bike. Oh, no. Who lived with Chad Fletcher. And it was fair to say he was not happy. I dropped it home as it was. Probably not a great idea. Horrible idea. Phil was not happy with that either. He made me pay for a new bike and deliver it in person to him so he could further ream me out. <laughs> As to why I shouldn't shouldn't be taking bikes from people's laundries and riding them home with another person. On right. The so is that why you don't want him on the podcast? You've never spoken since. That's correct. <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> not even go. slightly joking. Um, yeah, that's it. Right. Um, that was from. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So is the names okay? This is from Adam. Tr- names are this above from, the emails. This yeah. is th- thank you, thank you, Charlie. This is from Trish Matheson. Oh, here we go. Hi, Dan. Oh. This is the this yes. is the email, Trish. Um, brought back some great memories of that grand final win, referring to Wildcats being in Melbourne, when you were talking about this on the podcast this week. One of the best days watching the Wildcats, as I don't get many living here in Melbourne, was great this past season as the they had the NBL Cup over here, which was the biggest. Uh, what was that? Can you tell me what that was? Mid-season. Nothing. Nothing burger, but the club won money, I think. Um, Who won it? Wildcats did. Oh. Yep. Um, as I don't get many... Uh, yeah, NBL Cup over here. I went to most of the games, and that's because they set up a little hub in Melbourne, which would have been good. Um, have managed only one game in Perth. The atmosphere was amazing. You're right. Um, it big, is good. It is good. Big Eagles fan, Ooh. interested in Scoey saying about fan involvement. Yes. In the early years, we had a great match. We had after, here we go, we had great after-match functions with players just sitting around and chatting. Now they sit at tables behind a rope. Love listening to you both on the podcast. Um, great yeah, so post, Yeah, post-game... What did you, how many, did you have to do that often? So post game at home, there'd be a home room where it was like families and sponsors. Yep. You just go in there. Some guys would hang around in there. There'd be a few beers if you wanted them. or Some some would just come in and leave straight away. Um, but Trish is talking about, um, there, there was a stage where we'd only have, I, I don't know, maybe five out of the 11 away games, we'd have a function. Mm. And some of them, like thinking back to earlier on in my career, would just be a room full of people and we'd just get dumped in there and yep. go for your life. What it turned into, and the reason why it got roped off, was because it turned into every single away game, we'd have a fan engagement after the game, which is actually great, mm. I think. But other players like didn't want to give or... It, it, ter- it started turning into an absolute like ravaging of... Of if you just put players into a room full of people after they've been in a game of footy, they've potentially been drinking all day before, uh, all day during the game. The, it's a it's the, a room full fans, of drunk yeah. people, and yep, the players, yep. if they win, I mean it's a great environment. If they lose, like you can start getting yourself into trouble. So they started ba- basically what it evolved into by the time um, before COVID, but like my last year, twenty nineteen, um, before COVID, 
it was get dressed, finish the game, shower up, get dressed, go into these rooms, literally file in, blow like sit down for twenty minutes, sign as many as possible, barely interact with fans, blow a whistle, get out. Like, and it was it was it was shit. Are you blowing a whistle? No, no. Like oh, someone a blew a whistle. Metaphoric whistle. It was like right, okay, oh, okay, everyone okay. time to leave. Everyone out. Like pen thrown to the deck. Stand up. Leave. Yep. I don't know whether that's the players' fault or the club's fault, but the fan interaction was terrible by the time I left West Coast. Mm, okay. So I don't know how you made that better. I think if you if you if you could, it'd be a two way street. You need to have a level of respect by the fans, which I think most of them have. Yep. Like sometimes after a loss, players are humans too. Like sometimes after a loss, going into a room full of people and discussing the game or discussing your career or talking about whatever. It's hard to do. Yeah. Like, even if you're good at it, let alone if you're bad at it, if you're, you know, a big dog, if you're a Nick Nat or someone that everyone wants to speak to and you've just had a bad game or you're injured or whatever, sometimes it's not you a great co- and time. You're but the AFL, I reckon, out of any sporting code, probably does it the worst. I watched the rugby league grand final and they were interviewing players on the ground immediately after the game that had lost the game. They had, they had the cameras and the interviewers out there, like, right then and there. Mm. It was amazing. It was great insight. Like they interviewed the captain of the losing team like three minutes after the siren went. Right. Like he's just lost the grand final and it was his fault. Uh, Reynolds, he's, going, he's leaving the team, going to Brisbane Broncos. That was already talked about. He missed two kicks before the end of the game. And then three minutes later, he's like giving an interview. How do you feel? Mm. Uh, how is it missing that? Brutal. That doesn't happen in the AFL, does yep. it? It should. It'd be good if it did. Um, that's about it, Trash. hope you got the... Yeah, that was good. Have we got a little bit more? Yeah, we've got one more. From Tominera. Is that like a nickname? Like Tominera? No, I don't know. Um, I'm not. We'll have to ask. Okay. Um, let that us that know. A, is that a nickname? Hello at backchatpodcast.com.au. Hi, Dan and Will. Why do you get... Why is it Dan and Will? It just flows better. It's Will always... It's actually always Dan and Will. Hi, Dan. Hi, Dan and Will. Alphabetical order, perhaps. I have a two-part question, sorry, fellas, but I'm sure Dan is going to do great reading it. Well, thank you, Tom and Era. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck. Um, after talking about West Coast and the development of young players last week, it seems as West Coast has had some good development from key position players but have not had as much success developing young midfielders. Mm. Is, it down to, uh, is it down to development or a game plan that is hard to play in? Also, we seem to draft midfielders like Luke Foley and turn them into defenders. Luke Foley's birthday today. Yep. Uh, Luke, uh, <laughs> that's throwing me off completely. Um, <laughs> turn them into defenders. Foley seems like he would be a good midfielder. So why does the club not just draft defenders? Well, that's a very good question. And the answer, you're going to have to find over at Patreon. Wow. Yeah. So the, my theory, and this is shared by a few defenders as well, playing together will. Yep. Um, I'm not sure if we've spoken much about Rowan Jones on the podcast. Um, but we Let's have it, we have spoken about how um, Shannon Hearn was an old looking man, <laughs> even from a young man, mm-hmm. and I'd say that's probably similar with Rowan Jones. He's Rojo, always yeah. like, "Who's whose dad's on like run onto the f- run onto the field?" <laughs> his nickname at one period of time was Muffy because <laughs> of his hair. <laughs> yes, yeah, great, love that Muffy Jones. Um, <laughs> a, a great man, Rowan Jones. Mm. Um, oh, a very good player. Just did not did not look the type. Well, he's the sort of player that's like much maligned by some fans, right? People are like, I can't kick. Oh, he does this and that. He was in the team to play a role. Like, it happens all the time. There's always the guys that people... Like, Lewis Jetta is 
probably won. Doesn't get enough of the ball or yep. whatever. It's not, it's not his role. It wasn't Rowan Jones's role back in the day. His role was to run and just get, get into open space. And he was the guy that was kind of a distraction to the other four. Like, <laughs> like you just go get out of here, man. Like, there's a streaker on yeah. the field. Let's go <laughs> run on the pitch for. Yeah, but like yeah. Premiership player. Yeah. Can't, can't doubt it. Very good. Um, that's all we got time for. Hopefully, mm. you enjoyed Tom Morris. I did. I thought I thought it was an insightful interview. Yeah, very good. Uh, He'll he, be back. He's he's a friend of the family now. Mm. He, he's he's a friend of the pot. Charlie mm. likes him. Oh, he's great. He's very good. I th- I think in all aspects, right? Athletes are a bit the same, but media. Like I, I was thinking, you don't often see media people interviewed, do you? Like you don't no, see an interview. Everyone's doing the like, interview because you know. In, in the end, like who cares about Tom Morris? Well, I, I think it's interesting. Like mm. I I think it's an interesting insight into how this media juggernaut works. Because as he said at the start of the interview, it's not in a great place right now. We're going to do something about that, though. Mm, we are. Um, yes, Charlie. <laughs> this is where, in the editing part, I'm going to f- start fading in the music. So what do we need to do quickly before we finish the episode? Well, I don't know. You tell me. Um, Instagram, yeah. backchat yeah. underscore podcast. Yeah. Twitter, yeah. backchat underscore pod. Yes. Reddit, r slash backchat podcast. Yeah. And email us, hello at backchatpodcast.com.au. Website, backchatpodcast.com.au. Give me something www <laughs> there we go <laughs> you don't you never know if you'll find it that way um, and and Patreon there's a couple of little bits in there yeah, be a, there's a nice. couple of bits there's a couple of bits so if you listen to this right now get over Patreon come on normally being a little extra can be a bit much but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com.